So we are in this series, The Ten Commandments, and we're looking at, at not just like what they are, but how they reveal the heart of God. How, how these Ten Commandments are more, it's not just a list of rules. It really isn't. It's not do, do this or don't do this or else. It really is like behind it, there's a reason why God has these as his ten, and and, and, there, there's a, and it shows us something about God's heart and, and why these, these 10 commandments are good for us. And so tonight, or tonight, wow, that's <laughs> the time change really didn't mess with. This morning, we're talking about the 10th commandment. And, and here it is, commandment number 10, you shall not covet. Now, as much as like the other commandments are, are kind of feel the, the same way in, in, in which you hear, the, and you hear it and you say, oh, I'm not guilty of that. This really is a much broader topic. So just like before, you know, thou shalt not murder, you're like, okay, well, I haven't done that. Yeah, yeah, but the Bible has so much more to say about the, just simply like the act of killing someone. Jesus talks about it and reiterates and kind of, um, and kind of builds upon that and, and expands what that means. And, and coveting, Coveting, as much as we, like, it's not a word you use very often. It's not a word we use in our daily life. Like, you're not walking around going like, oh, well, what have you coveted today? You're probably not saying that. But this, this, like, coveting, this, this topic, this particular commandment is probably more rampant than the other ones. In fact, this is all, like, in our culture today, this is everything. And so we're going to look at specifically what this looks like, what it means, and, 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 uh, and, and how, how we both fuel coveting and how we can fight against it. And, and so let me start. Let me just read you the commandment, and, uh, and then we'll kind of define what this, what this is. In Exodus chapter 20 is where we find the Ten Commandments. Verse 17, it says this, you shall not covet. And then we're given a list of things not to covet. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his, his ox or donkey or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Now, you read this and we're reading this with 2023 20, eyes and we say, well, half of those things don't apply to me. Because, because this commandment, do, you shall not covet, was the commandment, don't covet, but then also here's how it's applied specifically, and specifically to a house, which that applies to us. With, to, like, don't covet someone else's spouse. Okay, yeah, that's probably a good idea too. And then we see manservant, like male servants and female servants. Okay, don't gotta worry about that. Um, an ox or donkey. Now, I don't know how many of us have a donkey, um, we, we knew someone used to go to this church, but they've since moved away. They actually owned a donkey. And I can tell you this, every time we visited their property, I wanted that donkey. <laughs> I was like, I want a donkey. You have a donkey. That's awesome. But, but we read that and go, okay, that's not like, I'm not coveting someone else's donkey really like in this sense, like I'm committing a sin by, you know, by, cause I want to steal Lulu the donkey or whatever. Like, and so, and so we, we read this, but this isn't, that's not what it's about. Here's, here's what this is. Like for us, here's the application. Like male and female servants isn't about like servants in our homes. That was like the equivalent for us is employees, a business. And we would say, all right, I own a business. And we would say, all right, well, here's the deal. Don't covet someone else's business. How they do like the success or the like, oh, if only I had their business or their people. Like I can try and steal their employees to come work for me. Ooh. Now we're talking about something that, that does apply. We talk about an ox or a donkey. We're not talking about oxes or donkeys, but you know what we have? We have cars, right? 
We don't ride donkeys, but we do drive horsepower. <laughs> I came up with that last service. I thought that was pretty creative. I expected more laughs from you guys. I didn't, I thought that would kill. But we don't, but we, you, listen, we do, we do think about what we drive. In fact, when you're watching commercials, you can't have, it feels like a single commercial break without a car commercial showing up somewhere because it's all over the place, right? What you drive, like, is, uh, is, is not just about comfort or what you like. It really is, in our eyes and culture today, it really is about status and, and wanting the next new thing or the upgrade or whatever. And, and so when we, when we talk about like coveting, oh, this very much applies. And then as if, as if God in his wisdom said, all right, if I, like, this isn't all the stuff, here's what I'm gonna add. Or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. It's like anything else that you could possibly want that belongs to someone else that someone else has, Man, don't do it. Don't covet those things. Now, this is the final commandment, and fittingly so, because this is probably, like, out of this commandment is how you break the other ones. Out of wanting something that you shouldn't or, or couldn't have is, is, like how the, uh, is, is probably how the other ones play out. It's almost like this is the, hey, uh, we've talked about not doing all these things. Now what we're talking about is not thinking about wanting to do these other things. In fact, uh, we know this. All, all sin originates in the mind. We've said this, I don't know how many times the Bible talks about. All sin originates in your thoughts. It starts as a thought and then gives way to an action. And, and, and that's true of, of all of the commandments. This one, though, is a little different because this is the only commandment that only takes place in your thoughts. It only takes place in your mind. And, and here's the thing. You don't know if someone else is committing this sin. It's only known to the person who's actually coveting and maybe to anyone that they share it with. So maybe they've told someone, oh man, I really want this thing or I wish I had that. But if, if they, they don't talk about what they want or wanting something from someone else, you wouldn't know it. This is, a, this is completely personal to you. So let's talk about coveting. And here's, the, here's the, what we're gonna learn. That coveting, you and I, not, not just we want something, but really coveted. Coveting will imprison you. To covet is to build a prison around yourself in which you can't escape. As much as you think it is about fulfillment, and, and I'm going to, the more, like I just want more stuff because the more stuff I get, it will fulfill me. What you don't realize is you, you are literally building your own prison. You become a prisoner to the things that you want. So what, is, what does it mean to covet? The Hebrew word is chamed. You, you, in, in Hebrew, you always have to have some sort of like choke sound. So it's not hamed, it's chamed. Here's what it means. A strong desire for something or someone that is not yours to have. It's different than desire. Now, what we're talking about is not, I want something, right? It, it, we're not saying that. There are plenty of things that we want that are good things. It is good, like for us to desire food. Like we get hungry, we say, man, I could really eat some food. You coveter? No, not at all. I'm just hungry, right? It's good to desire shelter, to say, I have a home. 
Are, yes, that's a good thing. It's good to desire um, relationships. It's good to desire love and happiness. Like those are all good things. It's not bad to, to desire things. It's not even bad to desire stuff, to say like, oh man, you know what we really need is this thing or we, it would be really great if we could do. No, fine, that's great. We're not talking about wanting something, even wanting to upgrade something. What we're talking about, like it's not bad to say like, ah, I wanna have a car. All right, good. It's pretty hard to live without a car. That is not a bad desire. That's not what we're talking about. Coveting isn't desire. Coveting is desire gone wrong. Coveting is when you can no longer control what you desire, but the things that you want then take over your life. So the distinction isn't, I want something. The distinction is, I can't help but want something. The thing that I want is actually the thing that seems to be controlling me. That all of my decisions are made through this filter of always wanting what I don't have. That is a problem. It's an obsessive desire for for something that doesn't belong to you. It's a form of of envy and jealousy and greed and, and wanting what someone else has. James chapter four, James writes this. He writes specifically, and he's writing to a church. So he's writing to Christians. And here's what he says. You, Christians, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So what do you do? So you quarrel and fight. You want what someone else has, but you can't get what you want. So what do you do about it? You fight. You cause fights because you, want, you don't have what you want. Mm. A few chapters earlier in James chapter one, he starts his letter by saying this, that's, that this sin, specifically this, can, can grow much like a fire and can get out of control quickly. Here's what he says in James chapter one, verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. God can't be tempted and he doesn't tempt. It's not God tempting you ever. But we're told each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. It's by their own evil desires from within that temptation shows up. It's why all of our temptations are different. They're specific to you, to what, like, to what your desires and wants are, what we would call coveting. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. This, this, this wildfire that we could call this fire of desire, it begins, it begins with coveting, with, with evil desires of wanting something, not just desires, but, but what, what James says, evil desires of wanting something you know you shouldn't have or couldn't have or aren't supposed to have. And you're saying, yeah, I want it even more now. I want it even more. You, what do you mean? I can't have something. Now I, re- I didn't want it before. Now I really want that thing. So what feeds this crisis of coveting? What feeds this, 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 this desire to like have and get more stuff that specifically stuff that, that like maybe you shouldn't? Here's the first thing. And this is all over in the, like in the, the world we live in today. This defines it. Here it is. Ready? A consumer culture. This is the culture we live in. Everything is about consumption. Everything is about consumption. 
how you can, and, and this, I read this this last week um, and uh, this, this hit me. Here's this quote. The sins of the culture will become the sins of the Christian and the sins of the Christian will become the sins of the church. That culture actually, if, if we're not careful, actually like bleeds itself into the life of the Christian and then eventually the life of the church. And so it's, it's no, it should be no surprise that many times churches will go the way of culture because this is what happens. The church is full of people. And when people go the way of culture, it just happens in church. It's why you have to fight it so much because the church by definition has to be counter-cultural. Yet, we live in culture. You live in the world. You live in the society today. And so you, all around you, are given every day hundreds, maybe thousands of messages about consuming. A culture of consumption. We live in a culture that breeds coveting. It's all around us. You deserve, listen, I don't know if you know this, you deserve to have the best stuff in the world. It will bring you an immense amount of joy. So, Buy this product and it will fix your life. It will bring you your, it will get you that person. It will fix your image of yourself, of the, your, like you're, this is all around us. In a consumer driven culture, the constant barrage of advertisements and, and pressures can fuel our cravings for more and lead us down this path. This, this, I read this this past week too. Uh, Peter Kreeft, a, a, a Christian philosopher, a well-known uh, Christian philosopher, he says this, the world's oldest profession is advertising. <laughs> it was invented by the devil in Eden. Here's the first advertisement. See this apple? Eat it and you'll be like God. <laughs> like, wow. Ad, the first advertisement goes way back. And, and here's the thing, like it worked. The first advertisement, the first commercial was successful. It got them to buy and eat the fruit. And, and every commercial, I don't know if you know this, every commercial since then, every commercial, you've, every advertisement you've ever seen is trying to get you to buy their product or service or thing. Every single time. And, and the goal, the goal is to get you. Do you know the goal of advertising, like the desired outcome? There's a, a specific goal every single advertisement tries to do. Every single one. When you turn on commercials now, you're gonna see this and be like, ha, I knew it and I still want it. <laughs> like, the, the goal of every single advertisement is to increase the next category, dissatisfaction and discontentment. The goal of every advertisement is so that you will feel dissatisfied with your life. I'm not happy, I need this thing. Their goal is to show you and to prove to you your life is less than because you don't have this thing and it doesn't matter what it is. And, and if the commercial is good enough, we fall for it. Man, we fall for it. I, it like I, it, infomercials, especially which are just like long commercials, like we fall for it all the time. I, I, you know this, uh, this past week was, uh, was Thanksgiving. Do you have a good Thanksgiving by the way? I had a great Thanksgiving. Um, there was a football game on that night. <laughs> Anybody watch that game? It went really well. It was a great game. I had a great, it was a great, right? And then what happens after, what happens after Thanksgiving? 
Black Friday. We literally define it by like our terms, like it's called Black Friday because every, like all the businesses end up making all their profits and get into the black. And one day, right? They were in the red all year. And then one day they're like, oh, we made money. And, and, and it's built around this very thing, consumer culture and specifically this discontentment with your life to go get more stuff. And we've, we've surrounded, like Christmas, Christmas is about the birth of Jesus. And instead what we've done is we've made it about presents. And, and it's not bad to get gifts for people. It's, it's really not bad. So like we do it, it's great. But we have redefined Christmas based on a wish list what you want. And, and we fall into this trap too. And it's like, man, I was like, whoa, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? Like, like it's this obligation. And, and what happens instead of people going like, oh, thank you so much. They're like, oh, you got it. Oh. You got the 16 gig. I kind of wanted the 64 gig. This will be fine. Oh, you got it in this color. Oh, that's nice. And, and, and we feed the same thing of, oh, I'm just not satisfied. And, and you listen, i I try to fight this so much, but at the same time, it's in me. I, you know what gets me? I, commercials like I don't care about, and we watch, you know, a commercial come on, and we're trying to, you know, we try and skip it as much as we can. We're watching something live, a sports game or something. You got to watch commercials. And, and I don't, like, almost any commercial, I'm like, oh, great. I, I don't need that. We don't need this. We don't need this. We don't need this. Until there's one that comes on, and I'm going, hold on, hold on, hold on. Slow down. Turn the volume up. A truck commercial. Right? If you, if you know, if you're a tr- like, I'm, I love trucks and I'm, I'm like, oh, the new model of the truck, the new thing, the new, what, I wonder what could they possibly add to this year's model? And like, oh, I don't have that feature on my truck. Man, you know, when I bought my truck, I love my truck. It's a great truck. It's a, you know, it's, it's super old now. It's a 2015 and it's just, it's, you know, it barely runs anymore. It's like, it, you, 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 it's crazy. I still have to fill it with gasoline. Like, and when I, when I remember when I got the truck, I, as soon as I got it, I'm like looking at other trucks. I'm like, oh, I don't have that feature. Darn. You know what I don't have on my truck? A push start button. I have to put a key in like a peasant, like a chump. <laughs> To start my truck, I don't know if you have anyone, if you have a car with a key that you're like, oh, wow, I am so old school. Like, I, like I, there's, I, I'm like, I would have loved a truck with just like, oh, I don't have to take my keys from my, that's so far to reach. And, and, and so I, I see new trucks and I'm going, oh man, that would be awesome. Like, the, oh, look at that tailgate. Wow, that's a beauty. And I dream and I think about what it would be like. Do you know what they did to me? Do you know what they did? I have a wonderful vehicle that will last me forever. I, like, I've no, and I'm dissatisfied because I don't have the new stuff, right? This happens all the time. That's a perfect example of dissatisfied discontent with something that's perfectly fine. Or like you have a phone, all of you have a phone, but do you have the newest phone? Does it have like 16 camera lenses? Like is the whole back of it just camera lenses? Because you just got to keep adding more. Can't, like that's the coolest new thing. Like do you have the newest phone? And, and, it's, and you're like, I, I've done that. I fell for the trap. And you get the newest iPhone, you're like, this is what happens. I remember getting this last one. I have a, it's an older model now. I have an iPhone 11. It's like way the heck back then. I remember getting the day it came out and thinking, this is the same as the one I just got rid of. <laughs> like, I don't even know, I, how much was this? Like thinking, wow, all that advertising for the same, what feels like the same thing. Listen, it's around us and we feel it and we know it, this dissatisfaction, this this discontent. 
And I want you to think about it um, from like God's perspective here for a moment, okay? So God, God's, um, God looks at your life and he says, all right, I've given you all this stuff. God has blessed you. God has blessed you with a ton. God has blessed you with a ton of stuff and you specifically differently than any other people. And God has given you life. He gave you life. You're alive because of him. And not only that, because of sin and because of all of like your rebellion, he goes, you know what? This wasn't good enough. I'm gonna give you even more. I'm gonna give you my son. My son is gonna go to the cross and he's gonna be sacrificed in your place and he's gonna take on the, the punishment of yours so that you can be forgiven. I'm going to do all the work to forgive you. I'm gonna do that for you. And as if that wasn't enough, I'm gonna give you salvation. And, and one day, one day, here's what's so great. I'm gonna have you come up and you're gonna be and live with me. I've got a place, I'm already, I'm, I'm preparing it. I'm getting it ready for you. You're gonna come forever, live with me, forever, and have experienced joy unending. And here's what we say. Yeah, that's all great, Lord. But can I just have their life right now? <laughs> Thanks for all this stuff, but I really wish, like, why didn't you make me look like her, like the magazines? Or why couldn't I have that job or have that success? Or that guy lucked out in this business and now look at, look at his lifestyle or he's got the new stuff. Or, I, but God, I really wanted that house or I wish I could have that thing. Or, uh, you know, my car's fine, but I, like, man, like, look at that. They got the new car and like, wow, why? Why couldn't you have given me their life? Ooh. Here's what, the, here's what this sounds like. Can you imagine, could you imagine, um, can you imagine your kids coming home from school one day <laughs> and after having polling, you know, all of their friends and their friends' lifestyles, they come home and they say, you know what, mom, dad, I've concluded you don't love me as much as Tommy's family loves him. Oh, Really? Who is this Tommy? Who is Tommy boy? <laughs> Did you get that? That was, a, that was a not so subtle reference, but that was good. <laughs> well, here's why I think Tommy's parents love him more than you love me. Because when I go to Tommy's house, he has a nice house. He's got a big house. Like, it's crazy. Their backyard is crazy. It's like, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And, and they go on, like, awesome vacations. I would love to go on some of their vacations. So I bet that sounds, sounds awesome. And do you know what Tommy has that we don't have? Good snacks. <laughs> His pizza house is full of snacks. We can eat whatever we want. All of our snacks say healthy on them, which is like, mom, that, dad, those aren't snacks, right? If it's healthy, it's not as, I, and, and what if, what if, what if they legitimately said, I would like to change families? Because I think Tommy's family loves him more than, than you love, more, more than you love me. Because of all of the stuff his family gives him. You would, you, you would hear that and you would say, you ungrateful little brat. <laughs> like, who do you think you are? Thank you for that. I appreciate it. That's how you guys, that's how it should be in here all the time. You would think, you would think, if your kid came on you and did, you would think, I, who raised you to think that the love of a family is centered around all of the stuff you get? Except you know what? You know what? Ready? Listen to this. That's exactly what God hears. 
I've given you all this stuff. I've blessed you in your life. I, listen, you, you are in a relationship with me and you know me and I gave my son and, I, and you're gonna be with me and instead what you want is the newest push start truck. That's what, that's what you're really like, ah, oh, but I, what would really make me happy is all of this stuff. And, and if we're not careful, what we can do is think that God has blessed other people more than he's blessed us because of their stuff. We think that the bigger house means more blessing. That the newer car, the, the latest model, means that God loves them more and has provided for them more than he has for us. And, and, and when, we, when we get to this point where we say, God, why do you love them more than me? Here's what he's saying. You selfish little brat. You think love is about stuff, okay? You're gonna have to relearn what love really is because it's not about stuff. We are dissatisfied and discontent with our circumstances. This door for coveting swings wide open and all of a sudden it's just, I want more of more stuff in my life. Here's a third category. So more than consumer culture, more than dissatisfaction and discontentment, we see that, that, that coveting shows up when we replace God with idols. And as much as we say idols and we think, oh, idol, what was that? Here's what an idol is. Anything that we worship and place as more important or above God. When we place our cravings above our worship and obedience to God, we have made for ourselves an idol. Here's what we see in Colossians chapter three. Paul writes this. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then he's gonna give out this list of stuff. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and here it is, evil desires and greed. And then he calls them, which is idolatry. All of these are idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. And that's the bad news. Listen, because of all of these things, the wrath of God and the punishment of, like he has to and will punish and, and because of his righteousness and justice, he will punish sin. That's the bad news. And then he gives us the good news. Paul says in verse seven, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. He says, you used to be, used to be controlled by those things, but not anymore. You have a different life now. And then he goes on to say, but now, you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. You used to live this way and now you have a new life. So don't go back to that. Don't go back to like living for your evil desires because coveting creates yourself for yourself a prison. It imprisons you of always wanting to, the next thing, always waiting for the next model, always wanting like what everyone else has is just this unending like pursuit of fulfillment that you'll never get. The problem with thinking that someone or something other than God will meet your deepest needs is this. You'll always be let down. You'll always be disappointed that it didn't. The, turns, out, turns out the newest model of iPhone didn't fix your life. It didn't solve your marriage or fix your relationship with your kid. Like all these things, like turns out, turns out it isn't completely waterproof, right? And you're like, oh, what? Thinking that someone or something other than God will meet your deepest need means you'll always be let down. You'll always be. Believing that the world revolves around you as at the heart of idolatry and, and placing anything, anything above God 
leads to this idea that, well, I am worth it and I should get whatever I want. And, and here's what happens. We make decisions in this need to make ourselves happy and those decisions can ruin our lives. Our desire to find happiness above all else can ruin and destroy relationships. So how do we fight this? What we call this crisis of coveting, of wanting more things to think that they're gonna fulfill and satisfy us. How do we fight this? Okay, there's two things that we're gonna look at in Paul's life and, and that he talks about. The first is to learn the contentment secret. And it's called the secret because this is, this is the bad news. This is something you have to learn through experience and only through experience. It isn't that like someone says, hey, you know what the key to happiness is? Contentment. And you go, what? No one's ever told me to be content before. I've never heard this word. That I'm going to recenter my life around contentment now. Listen, maybe some of you are for the first time hearing the word contentment, but I doubt it. I bet you've been told and, and heard about being like the, the, the importance of being content for your whole life. And you know what you aren't? Content. You still aren't, can you still fight this discontent? So what is it then? How do I get this? Paul tells us, and, and it's only, unfortunately, through experience. You have to experience life, both the good and primarily the struggle. Here's what he says in Philippians chapter four. I am not saying this because I am in need. For we have learned, or for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. So he says, I'm not asking because he's talking about I want you to help out and, 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 and uh, send resources, particularly for the churches. But I'm not saying it's because I'm in need. It's not because I'm like, I'm needy and I need you to help. Like I need your resources. I need money. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstance. And then he says this, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I know what it is to have, have all kinds of stuff and I know what it is to have nothing. I've felt both. And then he hears what he says. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. This was a secret that he says, I learned. And I learned by having a lot and then having nothing. And because of that, he says, I learn to be content in any circumstance. I realize my contentment isn't found in stuff, that I can be satisfied and fulfilled with everything and with nothing. Now, given those two options, I'm looking at you, realizing you're probably gonna choose everything. Lord, I, will, I would love to be content in everything, except you don't learn this lesson in the everything. You learn this lesson, this lesson when you have the, like, fine contentment in the nothing. All right. All right. For you and I, it means, learn, we, like, how we fight this, this crisis of coveting, it really is understanding that contentment is a learned attitude rather than an outcome of circumstance. It's not based on the, the kind of life that you have. That you, you learn contentment as a way of life, not, not an, an outcome of life. So the first, learn this contentment secret, and it's going to be through experience. And the second is this, to avoid 
the comparison trap. To avoid this, it literally is a trap of comparing yourself to others. This is a breeding ground for coveting. Comparing your life to someone else's is a breeding ground for this. Second Corinthians, Paul says this in chapter 10. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. There's other people going around saying, here's why you should listen to us. And here's all this wonderful stuff we've done. And he says, We're not try- we, don't, we don't dare try to compare ourselves to those who are doing that. And then he gives us insight into it, just like specifically those who are doing it. But when they measure themselves by one another and, and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. Another translation says they are unwise. That when you measure yourself against someone else or you compare yourself against someone else, Paul says, you don't understand. You are, you are, that is not being wise. That comparing yourself to someone else, it really does set up a trap. And, and there is an, an incredible danger to comparison. Instead, here's what we're supposed to do. To focus on the unique journey that God has for you. Instead of comparing your life to someone else, you focus instead on this is what God has set up and provided for me. Paul did this all the time. This is what God, I'm so blessed and lucky that God wanted this for me. This is what he has for me. As one of his servants, this is the the path that he, this is what, this this is the, the, the path he has me on, what he wants me to do. This is, so I'm doing this. Listen, God, God has you on a path. He really does. And your path is different than, than that other person's path. What he wants for you and the, the plan he has for you, the direction he has you going is different than the person like you see online or the friend you have or the, like you see the, all of this other stuff. Oh, I wish I had that life or I wish I had that stuff or I, I wish I had that kind of family. And, and God's saying, hold on, hold on. I have you on a path here. And, and, and this path is not gonna be one, like the path is not perfect and smooth and straight and, and level and easy. This path is full of speed bumps and turns and all kinds of stuff because, listen, ready? You don't become more like Jesus when things are really easy. You don't. You don't grow, you're, like you don't grow spiritually when everything is perfect. You grow when there's tension when there's stress, when there's, when there's a crisis, when there's, when there's something challenging yourself, that's all of a sudden when you realize, oh man, okay, now I have to really take serious my faith. I have to really stand on this foundation. I have to really lean more into Jesus. And, and I'm gonna grow through the hardship and the struggle and the crisis. So, so God, God wants to grow you to become more like Jesus. He wants, he wants you to grow in your faith. He wants to disciple you. And he knows it's through, it's gonna be through hardship. So why would, why would he ever want to remove all hardship from your life? Knowing you will become a lazy, take for granted everything kind of Christian. You don't want that for yourself. You don't want that for your kids. You want them to become great people, good, solid people who have a foundation in the Lord. I hope you do at least. And, and that, that is gonna come through hardship, through Christ, through struggle. You, God has you on a path, and here's what you're saying. 
When you say, I, I, I want what other people have, I want the life that other people have, I want the, the relationships, I want the family, I want the, all the stuff that, that all these other people have, you're saying, God, I don't like the path you have me on, I wish I was on their path. And he says, oh, that hurts. Don't you think I know better than you? <laughs> Do you think that somehow you are more wise than I am because you want this other path? So, what do we do about this? What can we do about this? All right, let's talk about how we now fight. All right, what do we do? How, I like the, give me the application. All right, I don't want to covet. Okay, I, 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 as much as, for me personally, as much as I need a push start button for my truck, Lord, I will rest in the cross. <laughs> and and shout, like, all right, I don't, I don't need that. I, I really don't, at least not today. We'll, we'll see when the next model of trucks come out. How do we focus on this? How do we focus on fighting this idea, this desire within us? First, focus on God's blessings for you that are unique to you, that are specific to you. Write them out if you need to. This is how God has blessed me in my life. Not all of them, but specifically. These are the things that God has done for me in my life and how he has provided these incredible blessings and God's goodness and, and, and get a sense of gratitude and contentment because you're looking at your life, not at what like you don't have, but say, God, look at, oh man, I, I'm, I'm so grateful that, that this is the kind of life you have given and provided for me. Number two, unplug regularly. Here's what this means, ready? Just get off social media. Just, just, even for a day, can you do it? Can you do it for just a day? The, one of the things that happens when, you're, when you get online is you see everybody else's best foot forward, right? You see everyone else's greatest life, like, wow, they are, they are literally living their best life now and, and here I am, like, at home doing nothing. And they're on vacation and they're going here and they're going there. And like, look at, look at this photo with all these smiles. Kids, why don't you guys ever smile like their kids smile? And, 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 and what happens is you start looking at other people's life and like the things that they want to display. And you think, wow, they've got everything I could possibly want. And it's amazing and it's wonderful. And they just got a new house and they got the car. And they even got, look, even their dog's better than our dog. And you're like, everything is just so great about this family. Man, and what you think is like, wow, I guess, I guess we're not as great as them. Here's what you don't realize, and I've, I've seen this to be true so many times. People who have a lot of wealth and resources, two things can, can often happen. Number one, their life is guided by those very things. That people who have stuff want more stuff and love stuff. And number two, I've known so many that would trade places in a second for, for a family that truly does love each other. That we have all this stuff, but there's a lot of, bro I know a number of people who have truly broken relationships. You would look at their life and say, this is, man, they got everything. They got everything. And they would say, no, no, I would trade this in a second if I could, because what I don't have is the only thing I want. And that is close relationships with family. With my loved ones. Unplug 
regularly. Practice, practice, really practice, like turning off all of the visual displays of everyone else's life. I, I don't know if you realize this. There was a time, I mean, if you're younger, this was not true, but there was a time when there was no Facebook. Did you know that? It, it, was, a, there was, a, it was a wonderful time. There, there, they didn't even have this thing called the internet. Have you heard of this thing called the internet? That used to not exist. There was no such thing as social media, and, and you never compared yourself to anyone. You never saw it. Kids today, though, all they've known is growing up in this, and all they do is see all the, what their friends are doing. It's really hard for kids growing up, especially teenagers, because it's, it's just like in their face, all this stuff, and you think, I'm so left out, I'm, because all these other people are doing all, all these other things, and, and you, can, you can easily get to this point where, wow, everyone else seems to be having a wonderful life except me. And then when you talk to them, they're thinking the same exact thing. They think the same thing. So unplug, just unplug from all of it. Number three, celebrate the success of others. Develop a a habit of of genuinely celebrating when something else, like really good, a blessing, a wonderful thing happens in their life, an achievement of some kind. Genuinely celebrate, I'm so happy for you. I mean, legitimately, I'm so happy at the success and I wanna celebrate in this this achievement or whatever it is. And it's not like jealousy. I'm so happy for you. You will, I, I promise you, if you get into this habit of, of legitimately like congratulating and, and, and celebrating other people for what they accomplish, it will like this desire to covet will just start to shrivel right up. It's no longer about like, oh, I wish I had that. It's no, 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 I'm so, isn't that cool? Isn't that so cool they got to go on that vacation? I'm so happy you got to spend extra time with your family. I mean, we would love to go on a vacation too, but like, that, like I'm happy you got to. The goal here isn't, well, if if I don't go, you don't go, right? Nobody ever goes on vacation. No, I'm so happy for your thing. Here's the fourth one, okay, the last one. Practice self-compassion. You are really good. You are really good at beating yourself up that your life isn't perfect. That your life isn't perfect. And, and, and here's the secret no one tells you. I'll tell you, right? Uncle Brandon's gonna be super, super gracious with you right now. If you look down your row of people, of chairs, their life isn't perfect either. Like the standard we have for ourselves that everything has to be perfect and right or else nobody can achieve that. So practice self-compassion. Here's how you do this, ready? It's really simple, okay. Think of what you would say to a friend of yours in your situation. If your friend is saying or thinking the things you are, what advice would you have for them? What advice would you have for your friend in your situation? Hey, listen, be grateful for what you have. Listen, here's the blessings in your life. I know you think that, you know, things aren't great or whatever, but here's this thing and this thing, and, and you have, you know, wonderful kids and family and you have health or whatever, and, and like you have a, like God has met every one of your needs and, and you're just going through this list of, here's the things I would share with my friend if they were sharing some of the things that they were like struggling with and being discontent and di- dissatisfied and, and like, all right, well, let's look at the thing. Instead of focusing on all the things you don't have, Let's, look, like, let's just list out all the things, that incredible things that have happened in your life and, and all of the blessings. What advice would you have for a fr- one of your friends, your closest friends? Okay, that advice now, ready? You need to give to yourself. That advice you would give to a friend 
in this situation, who you would, I, I promised you would be really good at giving them advice. You somehow are terrible at giving yourself that same advice. So, for you, things aren't perfect. All right, what advice would you have for a friend? Recognize imperfections, mistakes. Man, this, this is a part of life. Nobody, nobody is perfect. So, have some grace and compassion for you. All right. Coveting will imprison you. Here's the, here's the, that's the, that's the bad news. Here's the great part of this. Contentment, true contentment, learning the secret of contentment like Paul did, will free you from that prison. It will be the thing that unlocks the gate and just say, I'm not beholden now to all the newest stuff or the things we don't have. It's not saying you don't have desires or you want to do stuff. Of course, you want to go on vacation. You have the means. Wonderful. The difference is when, when literally like all the things in life control you. Hebrews 13 says this. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. The reason you and I, honestly, the reason you and I have fulfillment isn't because of stuff. It's not what money can provide or buy for us. It really is because God says, hey, just just so you know, just so you you know, like every one of you, just so you know, I'm not going to leave you. Never. Other people in life might. You might have been walked out on. Other people might forsake you. But just so you know, I'm always here. I will always be here because that's what you get when you when you just when you when you put faith in Jesus here's what you get you get a relationship with me would you do this would you stand with me we're going to pray and then worship the lord together and then uh and then we'll we'll take communion together so uh, you have your elements we'll do that here in a second so lord we thank you for your word um And we recognize that uh, it is so easy, it is so easy, God, to compare ourselves and our lives to those around us. So will you help us learn the secret of contentment to recognize how you have blessed us uniquely and to fight comparing ourselves to anyone and everyone else. We love you, Lord, and we worship you now. In Jesus' name. We're going to sing this song one more time about making room.